0: Welcome to UpBringing. We're Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. UpBringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Arc, beautiful and durable clothes for kids and mothers that are produced sustainably and ethically in the USA. Versatility and durability are key to founder Abigail Quist, who believes that all clothes should be play clothes and that buying less and buying better is a means to helping our kids foster a more thoughtful lifestyle and the color palette will amaze. Learn more about Arc and support Upbringing by visiting today's show notes or our partners page at upbringing.co. Enter code UPBRINGING for 15% off your purchase. Now onto our conversation. Gretchen Jones is a Brooklyn-based intuitive business advisor, sustainability advocate, and sartorial inspiration. Her creative journey began in fashion design, winning season eight of Project Runway and designing her own line of clothing. She went on to obtain an MBA at the London College of Fashion, where she began to reconsider her place and define her purpose in the world of fashion. Gretchen now offers workshops, lectures, and consulting around humanizing and elevating how creatives can interact and engage with the professional world. We loved connecting with Gretchen about how we can live with more intention, the power of why, her choice not to have kids, and how true alignment is a process of both letting go and leaning in. Stick around after our conversation, as we'll take some time to twin-talk our favorite moments and find ways to apply them to our parenting experience. Here we go.
1: Um, I'm really very upset right now about the um, the whole Sheryl Sandberg stealing the, the term lean-in. Because... Mm-hmm. Because I like to use that term, I talk about that yeah. all the time. <laughs> in the way she coined it, and to me, it's like when, like, even just you guys, you guys have been instrumental in encouraging me to continue to lean into what I I do and what my value is, um, which you probably didn't know, but no, I didn't know real and leaning into what you know, like messages are being brought to you, regardless of how woo-woo you are, if it's just encouragement, or some people would say like your guide speaking to you through things, mm-hmm. having the ability to hear the messages and um, again, lean into them. I think it actually op- that's how you open doors. It's, it's not other people open door- doors for you. It's you realizing that there's thresholds that you didn't even know were right there yeah,
0: it's paying yeah. attention,
1: but yeah. leaning in is just such a
0: good visual because I think I've been mm-hmm. trying to think of it, what we can use instead. Like, is it opening your arms? Is it, uh, yeah. what, what is, what's another metaphor for it? But leaning in is so great because sometimes you lean in like falling backwards. Yes. Other times you lean in intentionally with your eyes open. Other times you kind of side lean into whatever it is. Like yes. there's so, there's such a, uh, a varied, diverse process in engaging with the world, especially around those scary things. But and- but it makes you think of the phys- the physicality of it, mm-hmm. puts it that it first and foremost, which is the yeah. most terrifying. It's like, nope, your whole being has to go there a little bit. Yeah. Yes. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, uh, the, it's passivity versus reactivity.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, we'll and think, that's we'll hard to talk. Like a new word, yeah, you but- know, that we can... We'll think we of a Gretchen we word We could co-coin think of an upbringing word. Yeah. We'll coin something new.
1: Yeah, totally. Let's lean into the words that we're going to figure out. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we want to tell you
0: first that we dressed up today. Uh huh. <gasps> yes. You can't tell. And, did and, you really? Yeah, we totally did. Um, we didn't drive our kids to school this way today, but we went home and, and changed our clothes and we feel really spiffy and amazing and comfortable. We took the time. We did.
1: We did. It um, feels good. It
0: feels really, really good.
1: Well, I'm that, you don't even know how much that means to me.
0: (laughs) Well, we thought it would make us feel more connected to you
1: and inspired. it It has, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the things as I get older that I think is just so profound and, um, and really magical if you, if you allow yourselves to see it is just, uh, how connected, like we live so far away from each other. And yet, you know, you, you heard, what I was saying, and and just the act, the act or expression of dressing up today was meaningful, and I can feel it. I really can't. We think that we think about it all the time. Every picture you post
0: of yourself, we're like, oh, we need to Gretchen a little more today. Like that's really <laughs> a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. it always inspires us. Just be like, just put some lipstick on. I promise you'll feel better. Oh, like, uh, and you
1: really works. do, don't you? you? Really do, yeah. And, and I know it seems so vain, but I think the reality is, um, even if there's cultural dogmas that are rooted in like nay-nay stuff, we, we have the opportunity as human beings to, to take ownership over them and make them purposeful for ourselves. And, yeah. and I think like so much of the, the human experience, but especially the female experience is more about, um, embracing and embodying, um, what makes us feel good and the feeling good. When we feel good, we truly become so much more connected to the present. And mm-hmm. so much of, I think the world that we live in is about stripping us from that connection and because that's where the power is. Mm-hmm. Take it back through the active expression of, even if it's just putting a little lipstick on it. Like I know, I know that can be frivolous or, contradictory, but I I don't care. I don't. Well, it it might be to to someone.
0: Yeah. You know, everyone has their own thing. And I think that's really where the meaning is, is finding the things, not the things that are told you that, you know, that tell you, oh, you'll feel pretty if you do X, Y, Z or or, or empowered by X, Y, Z, but like, what are actually the things that make you feel those things? Yeah. You know, you'd be surprised to find them out yourself half the time.
1: Absolutely. I feel the exact same way. So thank you. That means a lot to me.
0: Yeah. Yay. Well, something that Hannah and I talk a lot about is just this idea of like it's all connected, as in, like, so many different facets of our lives. You know, the way we think about things, the way we want to be, the things we do, the things we read are all sort of able to inform one another if we let it. Yeah, if we let them. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm not really sure that we could have predicted how similar parenting could be to running a creative business as we had been doing before we became parents. Yeah. Um, until that happened, you know, all four of us, us and our our partners to um all work for ourselves. And I think we were just I remember being really shocked by this realization, like, oh my gosh, they're so much the same. Like it's so all encompassing. You know, your weekends don't really exist. There's yeah. no real nine to five. The you know, there's so much sacrifice. It keeps you up at night. It's, there's an investment. It's, it's so incredibly personal. It's so triggering. There's so much ego in it. Oh, yeah. You know, but at the same time, there's this, you know, huge opportunity for growth and inner work. And, you know, like that's why we wanted to talk to you. Yeah. Because that's, that's why we're so excited. You know, when we saw your website, we, you know, had met you that, t- that time, but seeing your your website, we freaked out. We were like, oh my God, she is like the better dressed you know, yeah. creative business version of upbringing. Like you're talking what? about so yeah, many yeah, of the yeah. same things that we are in just in a it's all connected, separate, but still kind of Relevant. interlocking realm.
1: Yeah. Well creation, I mean if we're really gonna get to the nitty-gritty, creation is what? creation. It doesn't, you know, mind mind and body are the same. And what what is the womb? What is um gestation and all of that? It's I actually think it's it's all it's all connected, as you just said. So creation, for creation's sake, is is uh, is at it's something you have to take responsibility for and really mm-hmm. honor what it means to bring something into the world and and then take responsibility for it once it's in the world. And I think that's a that's a tricky thing. And we don't. Uh, I guess my word of the week right now is ethereal. There's so much of the human experience, and especially being entrepreneurs and and. I, ideators ideators uh, being in the ethereal space seems to be um, so much of the human experience. Yeah.
0: I think too, that that experience and that growing awareness, I mean, when we think about our parenting and having kids, I wouldn't say we put the consciousness and intentionality behind beginning our families as we have, as we've just been experiencing our families, Yeah, you know, we had, um, you know, kind of a, an aha, I wouldn't say a moment, but a transition over a period of time where we realized, you know, well, we could just kind of keep our heads down. We could keep going through the motions. We could kind of be living somewhat, but, you know, happily complacently, Um, or we could start asking, you know, or be prompted to ask, you know, why, what do we want for our day? What the fuck is all of this about? What do we want for our relationships, for our kids' future? And that kind of just naturally happened for us. A bit of it was a knock over the head, but it happened. <laughs> and, but what we're interested in is hearing how that happened for you. And you know, it seems like you had kind of a similar transition from from fashion to what you're doing now as a consultant. And what was the catalyst for that? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I think um, I think it's something you guys could definitely relate to. Like I, I think a lot of it simply comes down to maturity um, and and kind of realizing that life. Can happen, life or work or uh, parenting or like whatever it is, um, caregiving for our parents, how, however life takes us. There's two different ways of, of rolling through it. One is very passive and reactive, um, or if, if you're lucky enough to kind of um, wake up, I think there's a, there's, a, the choice becomes revealed is that you can take a very react, or you can shift from reactive into a very active, mindful and strategic way mm-hmm. of living, um, which is one way or a complex way of saying living with intention. So for me, um, I only recently have come to realize that um, there. I had a lot of internal resistance to certain elements of, um, living with intention that were kind of rooted in like the new age, um, kind of hippie, um, revolution that I was sort of raised in. Like There was an element of, um, what it meant to be really connected spiritually that, that felt really disconnected to me. And I couldn't figure like when I was younger, I couldn't articulate it and I couldn't figure out why it made me feel weird. And, and I think I, I actually had to kind of reject it and try to choke my dreams into existence and, and become, um, kind of a maestro of control, before I realized that you can control anything into existence. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's in alignment with the life that you want to live. Um, and what I ended up kind of coming, I had in in many regards, kind of a coming um, of age or a come to Jesus moment, <clears throat> excuse me, where I realized that, a lot of what I thought I wanted or the way I was um, moving through my life was um, in direct contradiction with um, with living with intention in a way that that truly meant doing what was right for me in, in a way that was holistically aligned or organically aligned with, with the person that I actually was. Mm-hmm. And when I started to lean into that, um, it it actually um, not only ignited me, but it actually brought down a lot of different veils. And it and it showed me that so much of the way I was operating was from a protectionist or scarcity space instead of a place of abundance. And, and once that aha moment kind of happened, and I believe aha moments happen, but they're the same as happiness. They're tiny moments. They're not things that you know, blow open your world and suddenly you're in a different place. Mm -hmm. It's more like a shift in perspective can be the difference between being grateful for the life you're living or, or feeling like you're struggling.
0: And that's kind of like a cumulative effect of small realizations.
1: Preach. Totally. And, and that was more about me letting go of my ego um, and what I thought I wanted and, and kind of embracing um what I did really want what which was a simpler life and and success in my terms don't need to be the same as what we're told culturally and 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 then that that really made me think about uh what I do for a living and, and how I'm operating in the world and from a very, very different landscape.
0: Well and so what did success look to you look like to you at that time? Can a paint can you paint a little bit of a picture for
1: us? Yeah. Um so I don't think I ever really, really thought success meant like major wealth or fame. Um, Certainly that's what we're told, um, but I did have a lot of it rooted in recognition rather than meaningfulness. Um, So um, when I was younger, I think needing to have my ego patted on the back became or was more important than, um, me patting myself on the back and, um, through my experience, like, like now that when I look back at project runway, so much of that, um, and that chapter in my life, when I was really, really ambitious and and trying to be everything I could be in my fashion career, what I, what I realized was what I thought was seeking, not just approval, but, um, financial praise through consumer bases, actually buying into my ideas, what I realized is I was trying to make things that weren't aligned with the life I was really living and who I actually was. Mm -hmm. So things weren't working because I wasn't actually being true to myself. And, and so I had to start stripping away, like, what is this design work really all about? Is it that I actually really want to be a fashion designer? Or is it that I want to connect? Um, Do I, you know, like, do I want to make things for people that are outside of my way of living and be quote unquote, like accepted into a different cast? Or do I want to serve the people that are a part of my community? And what I, what I came to realize was I was almost behaving as though I was an outsider um, in in the life that I actually was living. Mm -hmm. Um, And that felt really uh, disorienting once, once I was able to see that. Um, but it also made it very, very uh, clear what I needed to do to, to get into alignment, and that was more about shedding dogmas that don't serve me, um, and and realizing that the reward that, that I was looking for, the recognition, was human interaction and engagement and feeling like I was a part of something.
0: I love that. Um, we've heard you referred to as the business doula. And, um, I, you know, you were just saying how your process of, um, kind of understanding more and connecting more with who you really are and what you really want was kind of a stripping away process. But I, I also like the idea of this, that you're this business doula, because you're also, as you're stripping away, you're growing something new and you're nurturing something new.
1: Yeah. And
0: i we'd love to just hear a little bit about, you know, how you see that process with the people that you work with and you said connection is so much and building that community. What, what do you, what do you get from that? And what do people who work with you um, learn about themselves?
1: Oh yeah. Wow. Such a good question. Um, well, I had a client actually call me the business doula after working with me for a couple of sessions. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like I would have never thought about myself that way. But the second you said it, like it was one of those aha moments where you're like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what I am. Um, can I market that? Is that a- <laughs> Coach is just so uh-huh.
0: oversaturated that word?
1: I so know. Cool. it really bums me out. Um, but business doula actually f- made me feel all the feels. Um, one because, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I don't want to be a mom. So like I had actually pretty, uh, extreme reactions to business doula at first. Cause I was like, Oh God, like, what does that even mean? So I had to really think about it. And do I identify with that? And um, what I kind of came to realize is that the reason why um, Business Duel is probably the right way of talking about what I do is because I um, help help my clients get more connected with themselves and what they are growing. And, and what they're growing is actually deeply, it's more about a, a relationship with themselves. And it's more about um, encouraging the light inside of us um, that is the most fluid and um, easy way of bringing things forth. The more we lean into that, the easier it comes and the, the, the safer we feel and, and the more enriched we are because we're being more true to who we really are and that that can be something that guides us and brings forth our best creations and, and our best work. Um, so what I've come to realize is what I really do, I can talk about line sheets, I can talk about bottom lines, I can talk about um, HR stuff, but what I really do is challenge people to ask why. Why do you want to do what it is that you're saying you're doing, and how is that in alignment with yourself? And how can we make that something that feels more and more holistically um, mm-hmm. nourished? So it comes to be in the most natural um, and um, beautiful way that that, that is uh, effortless instead of effortful. Well,
0: it, it just Kelty and I both have goosebumps just hearing you talk about that, and it just it seems so counterintuitive that we should all be having to work so hard to be understanding these things. And it makes us wonder, we talk a lot about like, why don't we know these things already? Why don't we feel these things and are connected with this stuff already? I mean, with parenting and with, you know, creative entrepreneurship, those are two things that are, can conceivably be like, you know, your job and your family, the most important things in your life, yet we don't have any training in them. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no um, preparation really. Um, We focus a lot on the skills. So as you said, the line sheets, the the actual behavior. And you have a purpose and passion for them, but yeah. just what about the self-understanding and the soft skills, which are like vital to making both of them function? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think soft skills are really rooted in getting more co- connected with our internal dialogue, um, also known as intuition. Um, and there's two sides of that. The internal dialogue, there's the... Um, the egoic side, the, the self-talk that oftentimes like brings us into the tactile world. Um, and But if we quiet down and we give ourselves permission to lean more into who we really are and how we operate, all of these things, I know when I say these things, the reason why you're getting goosebumps is because you already know it, but our culture tells us not to. So we, we, busy up or, um, instead of quieting down, we, we make things louder. So we, we start disconnecting as a form of survival, um, rather than, um, trusting like true deep trust. And, and I think, uh, you know, like I am not a parent, but I know that, um, my friends that are parents, the ones that trust and have faith that they're doing the right thing because it's what their intuition is saying. Um, they've seemed to have an easier go at it. And, you know, parenting is the hardest thing in the world. So I, I know that that's a very complex um, thing to say, but the, the, when we don't, I've been really obsessed with this idea of choking things into life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when we choke things into life in the way that we we want them to be, we fail to give ourselves room and the universe room to um, show us all the things that we could never know.
0: I love that. We, we talk a lot about how, I mean, there's a very distinct difference between intuition and instinct. Yes. And I think that I intuition- I people confuse that though yeah. in parenting. They say, yeah. you, have a, you have this parenting intuition. And we're like, no, we have parenting instinct. Well, and you, you, cultivate a, you cultivate intuition, intuition or, yeah. or you tap into intuition. But instinct is, I think, rooted in fear and it leads us mm-hmm. to control in our business or in our parenting. And what you're talking about, it sounds like is intuition is the kind of the flip side of that, which is uh, based in trust. And it leads us to observe and to see what what's going on around us. Why do I feel this way? You know, All of those types of things. But there's such, they both start with I and they sound very similar. And I think we I'm confuse beautiful. them in our, in our culture a lot, um, but they're so different, different ways of living and seeing the world.
1: For sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think you know it's scarcity versus curiosity, right? So, from a place of scarcity, we tend to control things from a survival state, um, and and so the instinct instinct is rooted in survival, right? So you're you're literally doing things uh, to to just keep your babies alive or to keep yourself fed. Um, intuition is about being curious and trying to hear the messages and 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 see. Um, see the world through the eyes of your intuition, which is, uh, again, ethereal. Instinct is not ethereal. It's very real. It's very rooted in the ground. And I actually think both are important, but it's the work that I tend to do is about balancing those two. It's why then how you, you, one of you were about to say you can't uh, something. Oh, that you you can't, you know
0: race instinct or fear or the urge to control. It's always going to be there. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's just as important. Um, so it's not an, I, I, I really, the older I get, the more I'm realizing it's not either, or it's always mm. both and always. Yeah.
0: Can we call that playing in the gray that it's just, it's never one thing or the other thing. No. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and yeah. And the other like thing I would say too, is it can be both.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's w- when you feel yourself like going, like it has to be this thing or it has to be this thing. It's just always a reminder to us. No, it can be both. It just takes more work and it's scarier, but you know, Absolutely. playing in that gray area is, is where it's all at kind of.
1: Well, it is where the sweet stuff is, but the sweet stuff, you know, like gray is murky and, and that means you have to have the confidence, um, and courage, you know, courage. I just read courage is rooted in um, the Latin word for heart, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's about leaning. It's it's leaning further into God, man. Sheryl Sandberg's really in me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Lean in. Lean in. Um, I think a, a living a life rooted in the heart, then head, is uh, what I'm all about. Head, head then heart is instinct first, then intuition. Heart then head is um, honoring the instinct, but, but tapping into your curiosity, your, your soulful curiosity and, and asking questions. So you're not reactive. Instinct is reactive. Mm-hmm. Intuition is active. Um, and I think, you know, both serve, like you said, both serve a purpose. And I, I, I actually think it might be 50-50. It's not... Mm-hmm it's not an 80, 20 intuition is more powerful than like we are animals. And I think human beings oftentimes like to somehow talk ourselves into being uh, above the fact that we're animals and instinct is how we got where we are today. And instinct is going to continue to help us survive and the world is getting more complex. So I think that's really important, but we also need to be asking why we need to remain curious and, and, uh, flexible.
0: Yeah, we talk about instinct being information. You know, it's it's yes.
1: it's helping
0: us. It's giving us information, and then we decide, as more evolved species than we used to be, what we want to do with that information using our intuition. Hopefully,
1: <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I'm um, I'm taking, um, I, and I know we've uh, casually through social media talked about it. Um, I'm taking um, this course called Neurolinguistic Programming, yes. and one of the um, pillars that they, um, operate from is that there is no failure. There's only feedback. Um, and, and when we communicate with others, the feedback we get is actually what we've communicated, not the intention we set and what we wanted to communicate. Um, and I think that's all rooted in this, that like information is how we move forward. Um, it's what we do with the information. The information isn't the truth. It's what we do with it.
0: Yeah. We think of also information and failure as kind of like um, a symptom or a sign of something else going on. And I'm interested Mm -hmm. to see how you talk to the people you work with. I mean, when we talk about it in a parenting context, we think of, of failure as something we're calling failure but it's really just information being like okay so maybe we should set that vase higher up on the shelf next time or yeah. maybe we should be you know feed our child before we take them somewhere or maybe you know or maybe we don't know why they're necessarily doing these things but we're asking questions and following that information with curiosity but i think and, you know, we did that because when you label things like failure then you you basically just stop you, you either get scared and sweep it all under the rug and don't analyze it, or you just, the, the trail ends there when it's a failure. And when we label things and think about things with that perception, mm-hmm. but you know, if it's information, if it's feedback, if you get curious about it, then it, it creates momentum, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, and um, the work that I do with my clients is uh, not just being like that's just feedback you know like like don't attach too much to it. it is just feedback it's more um so you got this is the feedback you got let's talk about the emotional attachment you had to the out the the, um the outcome that you wanted and and the difference between what you wanted and what you got Mm -hmm. And, and let's calibrate not even recalibrate because i think recalibrate um projects that there's something that is wrong or um, out of alignment, calibration is more like a compass. Um, And I wish our culture used the term calibrate more than recalibrate because we don't need to be recalibrating. What we need to do is live in a state of active stasis where we're perpetually calibrating and and realigning ourselves to our North Star while also not being totally attached to the North Star that's working for us now, because it might not be the same one later. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the work that I do is trying to understand the, the reason for the attachment to the outcome and either becoming very strategic uh, um, and, and mindful in how we execute getting there, um, which is about planning and then letting go or um, identifying why the outcome that you're attached to is totally out of alignment with, with the life that you want to live or the profession that you're aiming for or the the role that you fill in your, your own business. Um, And that's been super exciting because I don't think there's a lot of talk um, on a grander scale around like the human side of, of being a professional or being a business owner um, and that's really more about, do you understand why you want that or why you're working towards that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and are you willing to let go if it's not in alignment?
0: I would love to hear of kind of, uh, just a little example of something someone has brought to you or just someone who's running a business or has dealt with a failure and how you would kind of, um, I don't know. Get into that with them because I think it's it is as you said really rare to talk about your business just to like to talk about your parenting from a, a context that's not about well you did this wrong now you have oriented. to redo it or do it completely yeah. differently where you're not really living in the past and you're not really living in the future necessarily you're just thinking about the present in kind of an open place. Yeah, totally.
1: Um, so one of the exercises that I end up doing with a lot of my clients is, um, this, um, exploration and the purposes that, uh, behind the roles you fill. And what I found is it's usually extremely, um, revealing as to how different what we think and what we feel are. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a client that, that literally wanted to like leave, um, not their industry, but the role that they, the position they were in. And at first, as my mother would say, when people show you who they really are, you have to believe them and everybody brings a representative to the table first. Um, so I, you know, was working with this client. It was only a couple um, sessions in and the the focus was very much on this, like this goal that they had um, assigned to themselves. And, and our work was going to be achieving um, that goal for them in a way that was, um, righteous and true to their value system. And as we started engaging, I realized that I thought that they were, I could see that they were out of alignment with, um, they, they weren't thinking about each role they were filling from uh, sister, mother, lover, um, to, you know, professional business person, blah, blah, blah. So I took them through, I walked them through a set of exercises where we ended up defining the action, actionable words. So like rejoice or, um, support or words like that per role. So like with the fan, with your family, with your friends, um, with your business partner, all of those sorts of things. And then kind of distill, I, what I do is I distill that down. So we keep basically getting to new outcomes and then feeling through those to understand if, um, it feels good or not, or it's scary or not, and posing questions to get us down to basically um, a, a personal mission statement mm-hmm. that helps us guide ourselves through the work we do. Um, and that work we do is including the relationships that we have outside of the work we do. And that um, the compartmentalization of our nine to five selves versus um, our 930 to um, or not 9.30, let's say 5.30 to 8.30 a.m. selves, that those are actually not separate. Mm-hmm. So what we that. ended up doing is really challenging their rules for themselves and what, what that direction they wanted to go. And was that actually about dissociating from the life that they were living versus really um, embracing themselves and the life that they want to live, which is actually far more in alignment with the life that they're already living. And then the work really began after we, um, you know, like blew up some um, weird walls around what was possible, mm. if that makes sense. I know that's sort of, it's, it's hard to talk about client, you know, like I, I, I'm i not a therapist, but I'm not, I, I am, I, I try to, kind of are. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, it's the doula. Yeah.
0: No, that was, I feel like that was a perfect um, just example for us to kind of be able to imagine what we're talking about. I think Kelty and I can so easily get into just these more philosophical um, kind of ramblings that make so much sense. And then sometimes we feel like we need to like, let's ground it in reality of what that actually looks like with another person or with a child (laughs) Um, so that we can kind of, for everyone who's listening, who may not be like used to talking about things in this way to kind of get that a more literal um, kind of connection to it.
1: Um, totally. But- and I think it's really just asking yourself questions um, that enable you to uh, think clear more clearly about the choices that you're making. That's that's really what it's all about.
0: Well and that, you know, mission statement that you helped her to kind of define a little bit sounds like I think we read on your website talking about finding your North star. And we talk about that a lot, um, in upbringing, finding ways to align our dreams and our, our ideals with, you know, who we are as people, what our day-to-day challenges are and what that looks like. And how do you kind of bring all of those in to become more integrated rather than disassociated from one another?
1: Absolutely. You know, I just learned, we think about disassociation, um, oftentimes in a really negative way where you're like literally tapping out of reality, um, in a survival space. But if you really think about the word disassociate and associate, associate means that you are in the active role of like being in the experience disassociate doesn't mean you're necessarily checking totally out and no longer present. Um, what it can mean is that you're able to look at what your experience and, um, um, the environment that you're in from the outside. Yeah. I and think no, no, go that, ahead. that's just, it's just pure magic when you can kind of look at your own struggles or, or your belief system stuff, um, from just the other side of the room and be like, Oh shit. Like, I don't want to feel that way. Like, why am I doing that? Like, what, what is that all about? It doesn't have to be that you're in survival mode. It might be that you just have never looked from the outside at, at the choices that you're making.
0: I think that in some ways for us, disassociation is survival, or it can be survival, yeah. it, and it is power, absolutely. If you look at it from, a, like we talk about like bird's eye view, when we're disassociating in a, a, in a, way. Right, in a challenging moment with yeah. our families, we a picture just floating up into the sky, like outside the bubble of the crazy, and just taking a look at what's going on and disassociating in that way helps us separate enough to be able to engage yeah. with
1: it and yeah. be like
0: in the, down the fucking rabbit hole, you know, like triggered and in it. And, totally. you know, and we can see each other that way. Sometimes like, you know, one person's thing is someone else's not thing. So like one of us will be totally in the bubble. The other one's disassociated because it's not her kid or her kid. Yeah. And <laughs> so we're able to use that lens for each other too. Like when, I look, I'm kind of freaking out and I look at Hannah and she's totally fine. She's just like, they're, so they're doing this. So this is happening, big deal. And it, it reminds me like, I need to separate a little bit. And this that's actually going to be my healthier. experience that I'm simmering in right now. And it's not real. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think that the problem is, is that we say lean in and disassociate. And it seems really yeah. uh, confusing to people. I think at times because we're saying lean in as in pay attention and dive in to engage but, but I think you have to time, disassociate to lean in. Sometimes d- you have to disassociate yeah. to lean in. Do you know?
1: Yeah, that well, sense? it does make sense, and I, I think they're uh, very active. Um, they're the active exercises that are uh, oftentimes happening in tandem, and I think um, I. I I believe we're sort of the same age. I think like maturity, definitely like life experience gives you more time to see what that's like. Um, but, it, but it, at the end of the day, it's an active choice to both lean in and disassociate, um, or it works best when it's an active choice. I think unhealthy dissociation is when, um, it's survival without intention. Dissociation with intention is, uh, calibrating in a way where you can remove the emotion um, and the self and look, look at the self in the environment, um, be it with your child or your husband or your partner um, or your profession or coworkers in a way where it's not about you, but you're able to assess the whole situation. And then the leaning in is about being very engaged and focused in on, on, on hearing and seeing the other it's um, when you're self-oriented, you're only thinking about yourself, and that is you. One of you mentioned um, that a little bit earlier. Self self orientation oftentimes is rooted in insecurity, and I believe that's where our worst behaviors come from, mm-hmm. and that's where we disconnect. Um, intentional um, interaction. Means you're gonna have all the feels, but if you can be empowered to remove your own emotions from it and really understand how you're experiencing somebody or something, is straight up disassociation and leaning in at the same time, yeah, it's, which is like a superpower, actually. It totally is. And
0: yeah. again, another fine line semantic situation of self orientation versus self awareness, yeah. And we love just love everything you're doing because it's really about creating self awareness, which I think in a creative industry, and for those of us who are artists or creatives or makers or any kind of business as a baby, and it's a creative endeavor in itself, how do we lean towards self awareness rather than self orientation where we're not being yeah. self indulgent. We're not, we're fighting with maybe guilt and shame about do we deserve mm-hmm. to do this? How, how can we make this happen? But also being like, I, I, I should be able to be the best. And how do you, how do you kind of grapple with those two sides of the same coin?
1: Yeah. Well, um, I think it's, it's deeply complex. Um, um, but if you have been following me, you can tell that I am a deeply complex person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the, to me, um, we live in a world where literally nothing needs to exist. We are so oversaturated and you, you know, like you have your podcast, I have mine, like we are still working in fields where there is more stuff. So to me, what this is really all about is understanding the, the role and the purpose. And, um, a lot of that shame and guilt I think is actually rooted in understanding, um, I feel like a little bit of a broken record, but I feel like that's probably necessary. Um, The role that it's filling, is there a void? Is there a hole? The the podcast that you're creating um, is necessary because the narratives aren't out there. Mm -hmm. And when you understand and embrace that, it actually empowers and ignites you to lean deeper into that in a way that is true to the two of you and your audience in a way that um, allows you to start asking more elevated questions. And I think the elevated questions are actually what we all need to be asking right now. It's not just, um, is there a hole in the market? Um, can I, do I have a calling? But from a creative standpoint, uh, have either of you read any Henry Miller? No.
0: Um, Mm -mm.
1: Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's such a misogynist. He'll like write this super sexy, but like bad, bad sexual um, experience, and then have like this prophetic um, um, moment where he'll talk about the responsibility of being a creative. And my feeling is, um, and and why I think partially why I'm on this podcast with you guys is creation is creation. Sometimes it's um, actual human beings, sometimes it's ideas, sometimes it's movements. Um, and his whole thing is living a creative life um, means taking responsibility for the creation. And that what that means is that you can't be making things because you quote unquote, want to, or feel the the drive to, you have to be asking as a creative, like if you, if you are given the talents that you can think creatively and bring in product ideas, um, words, whatever it is, vi- visuals, when you, or sounds, when you, Do it from a place that is only serving the ego. You are only serving the self. And that actually is hurting society. Um, And I read that, that when I was very young, maybe in my early 20s, started reading him. And I loved how he talked about the responsibility of the creative and that we are not just bringing ideas to the table, but cultural progress. And when we own that responsibility, um, and, and own that responsibility in a way that is true to our medium or what it is we're creating. And I think parenting is very similar. When you when you own that you are bringing, you're not having a baby, you're being, bringing a person and you're forming a human being that has to be a participant. Mm-hmm. And, and when we own that we are participants in society, um, I think it allows the the brevity or the weight to be deeply heavy, but also very light. Mm. And, and the North star stuff is about honoring, um, honoring how heavy that responsibility is while also, um, getting excited by all that can happen because of it. Mm. Does that make sense? I
0: love that. Yes. And it, it's making me think of just the word altruism and your yeah. altruism by design workshops and how the two things that we've kind of seen that you're doing are the critical conversations, which we see as a North Star related, in some ways, endeavor to begin mm-hmm. that and cultivate that that journey. And then the altruism by design, Tell us if tell me if I'm off, is kind of talking more about the greater ecosystem. Once you've built that self-awareness and kind of built that understanding to yourself and your purpose, how does that relate to the greater world and what you do, how does that affect others? And my question, I guess, is how do those two things happen at the same time? Do you believe that the North Star kind of needs to be like an inside out approach or how how do you go about that process?
1: Well, I mean, I I wish I could say that it goes one way um, because it would be easier. And then I could be like, buy my book. This is how (laughs) it works. But but I actually think there's like, you know, um, just like gender, just like anything else, there's a spectrum. Um, And I think the the two ends of the spectrum of of especially creative entrepreneurialism is one is rooted in uh, very intuitive, uh, reactive um startup where you kind of just find yourself doing something and it starts to work um and then the other side is like extremely mindful, aggressive strategic intention where you've made the plan um you have all of your ducks in a row, and then you're creating the business and i and I definitely work with and have seen uh both of those polar opposites and everything in between and I think the reality of the situation is it's more rooted your question is more rooted in when do you wake up what do you do when you wake up once you recognize that there's responsibility to the work you're doing outside of yourself um or um like unless it's unless you are a person who is going out and sourcing the pigments that you make out of clay. And even then you're still taking something away from mama nature. If we're really being clear about it, Um, there's always responsibility. So the first, I think it's more like a cycle and I'm, I'm really spinning out right now, pun intended on the spiral. So when you wake up, whenever that is bravo, good for you for uh realizing it's not just about yourself the the burden of that is walking the walk you now talk um and altruism and design versus critical call is like how awake are you in how you operate altruism in design or the um the work i do with clients long term is once you're a, a once you've woken up um how do you prioritize your value system in the way you operate in a way that allows you to operate, um, not go out of business (laughs) um, and be transparent about that in a way that, uh, that forces your consumer to follow suit. And that consumer could be listeners or uh, collectors or customers um, and anything in between. So the, the levels of, Spectrum, it really makes me think of like the holographic universe, you know, like it's all It's spectrums in all directions. So the work I try to do with the um, workshop series is more Have you even asked the questions that challenge Your way of doing things because like you can't be a feminist business and have your shit made in bangladesh Mm -hmm. you can't um say that you're doing a podcast about parenting without having women that don't parent involved because it's a collective experience. Um so altruism by design is more about understanding how your value system affects every choice you make and trying to get more connected and mindful in your choices so you understand why and how you have to compromise or lean more into each value. Does
0: that make sense? Absolutely. And I mean, it just hearing that, I think about that in the parenting context too, where it just takes a lot of fucking work. That is, just, it's exhausting to think about. Um, but I think that when you're when you've woken up and you're you're seeing what the impact that you have on your your child or your business or your greater community or the world or the environment. Mm-hmm um it's a lot of pressure but if you're actually connected to your north star and 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 moving from a place of awareness and intention i think that that journey is it makes a lot more sense and it's it's something that you can't help but engage with because yes. it's coming from a true place and not from, a, from what we call a glittering image that we yeah. had set up beforehand or that had been cultivated in our childhood or through just conventional wisdom
1: Um, Totally. Well, and it actually—it's then it becomes regenerative. So Mm -hmm. even though it's exhausting, you Mm -hmm. you become regenerated because you're staying in alignment with yourself.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think the exhausting feeling comes from the fear of the unknown at the beginning of it.
1: Yeah, more than anything else. And well, that fear becomes trust. Mm -hmm. Like if Mm -hmm. you—the more you align, the more you have to have faith, right? Yeah.
0: And I think that it's, I think everyone can benefit from a conversation with you. And so many of the things that you're talking about are are similar to what we talk about with parents too. And I'm just wondering, like, how can we, if you have any advice, how can we raise kids who don't need to have this kind of coaching when they're adults? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I mean, everyone can benefit from this at any stage of their life, but how can we raise children who are already awake? you know, or, Um, or, yeah, I mean,
1: I think that's a great conversation or a great question. And I actually think it's so much more simple than, um, we give it credit for. I actually like, what would we have been like, had our parents talked to us about this stuff? Like, what if this was dinner table conversation? Mm -hmm. What, what if we, and I know this is a, this is a wildly challenging time to have kids that from climate change to gun violence to socio-political issues, this is a challenging time. Um, but I have always, um, subscribed to the idea that, um, watering shit down for your kids is doing nobody any service. Um, and I think if these are conversations you have with your partners, um, they should be at the dinner table as much as talking about, um, what it means to protect, the LGBTQIA community or what it means to be safe when you're at school or, or at church or like, you know, basically anywhere now. Um, so to me, um, what, what I think and as an auntie, like what I look forward to when I'm around, um, my, my niece and nephews is to not keep shit hid, um, and speak in a way that that's inclusive and not necessarily like over them where it can be scary, but like actually have them be participants. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know the times where I was able to be a participant as a child, it made me use my critical thinking muscles in a way that really helped me question what I thought instead of just uh, indoctrinating myself with my parents' opinions. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that
0: you – have memories of, you know, being praised and valuing praise growing up where it maybe focused you less on your intrinsic motivation and what you believe and what you think and more about how other people will receive what you do or what you say and, you know, what what could pat you on the head or give you, you know... Um, recognition in some ways. And that's something that we talk about a lot with our parenting is I love that your idea of involving people, their kids in our conversations, involving them in the diversity of community and the issues at hand at like the level that they can manage that. Um, We also think so much about what we can be doing in our homes about just our interactions with them. Um, Yeah. And
1: yeah. And I think like, um, I just I feel like you know my parents did so much shit that was terrible, but also never kept anything hid, which made w- made for magic. Mm-hmm. And and what it what it forced me to do was uh, not not only um, acknowledge my own feelings, but also understand how many different flavor profiles there are in being a human. And and I, I think you know like the to me the whole concept of it takes a village. Um, so now I've got Hillary Clinton and Sand- Sheryl Sandberg as a part of my my conversation. You know, I really believe in it takes a village, and that that my role as a citizen um, is to be a, a good aunt to kids that are not even related to me. And and I think a lot of that is posing questions that that helps uh, people um, helps people explore people being kids or elderly, um, explore how to be fluid and remain unstuck in our ways or our belief systems. And for me, I think a lot of like my role with my, um, my niece and nephews is to show them my shape shifting and to talk about it candidly in a way that is championing the exploration, um, rather than the destination. Mm love that. Yeah, the power of modeling, you know. Yeah, it, it's real. Yeah. It doesn't just have to do with lipstick and cute skirts. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um but, you know, speaking of, you know, considering how consciously you approach your work and even the way you, you know, work with your niece and nephew, we would love to talk to you more about how you have chosen to build your family. Um yeah. you know, we sh- you shared a while back on Instagram that, you know, you don't necessarily plan to have children and Kelty and I loved hearing that because it's not just something pretty rare to just in general, but it's very rare to hear people talk about that. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, uh, partially, it all like what I, I would like to say it all started, um, or I wouldn't like actually, I would not like to say it all started with Donald Trump, um, <laughs> but I think uh, the twenty 26- sixth. Election was the first time my um, my version of white privilege was challenged in a way that I connected to things uh, in my narrative in a way that I didn't even realize how suppressed my own narrative was. And I think some of that was you know like I'm going to be 37 in a month, so I was 35, um, and from I'm from a working class blue collar. Um, rural family in um, the middle of the country. So a lot of what he was talking, the people he was talking to triggered me because I was like, oh, fuck, those are the kids that I grew up with. Um, but also, I had quietly been struggling with um, how to communicate what I wanted with for my life in a way that still feels very counter normative even though i feel like a very average person and i know in many ways i'm deeply irreverent um, and not average um but i feel that way that's oftentimes how i feel like a super square oftentimes which is so odd um but when he started pushing um buttons around the nasty woman thing i kind of had another awakening where I was like, why am I keeping, why am I ashamed of my life choices? And why, um, if I am living such an alternative lifestyle, why am I keeping shit hid? Mm-hmm. So not only shameful in it, but keeping, keeping my life choices hidden in a way that uh, restrains the narratives that we have around the female experience, even if they're just true to my way of living in the United States. Um, It's still so like 2.5 kids do it this way. Uh, Not having children means this. Having abortions means that. Um, And I I just had like a wake-up call where I was like, you know what, if I learned anything from Project Runway, it's that you're going to hate me or love me and everything in between. That's a part of the human experience. So I really don't have anything to hide. So I decided to start communicating about my life experience when it came to procreation. And that went from um, actively using my right to choose, um, and then what it meant to feel deep shame around that, um, to um, realizing that had the narratives that I needed to see when I was younger, I would have potentially looked at my fertility as something that could have been communal. I could have um, understood that the shared experience of womanhood means helping the collective whole with all of the things that we wanted to desire, um, be that being a parent or not, um, helping somebody become a parent or not. And that in order for us to evolve ourselves as females, we have to be having more, we have to uh, supportively Um, create space for more narratives of what it means to be a woman um, who connects to motherhood um, in whatever capacity that means. Um, And it felt just as much as my um, professional creative self, it to me seems sudden that I had an urgency to start talking about my experience um, on a personal level as well.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so funny because I I think it was before we had kids, we had some friends who chose uh, not to. And I remember just being like, oh, they'd be the best parents and they, why yeah. wouldn't they? And they have time and they have finances and, oh, uh. and it took me actually having kids to be like, I absolutely respect that. And I think most people would be like, yeah. as a parent, you'd be like, oh, I know the experience and I can recommend it and it's wonderful and all these things. But becoming one was what made me really respect the choice yeah, of people who loving choose not to. our our kids and loving our parenting yeah. experience. But understanding the reality of what that is and how unique it was to us made us realize that it can be really unique to other people and it has has nothing to do with us or our dream. That became a personal journey, not a...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the thing that's so interesting about, like, I just feel like uh, part, to go back to the, like, uh, instinct thing, like, we get so hung up on things being black and white because way, way, way back when eating that berry would kill us, but not that one. Um, I think that's so rooted. Like we like things to be black and white because it makes it simple. And, and the reality of um, like a lot of what I struggled with was uh, the duality of it's selfish to have children and the other side uh, of the coin being it's selfish not to have children mm-hmm. um, and kind of reckoning with like, but aren't, don't those two cancel each other out? Like mm-hmm. what is selfish? Um, isn't, isn't like to be um, a non-political progressive human means to allow people to just be what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, not having children doesn't, is to me selfish and selfless just like parenting is. Yeah. And, and the real responsibility that we have, I think as women, um, is to challenge the black and white narrative that one is worse or better or one um, serves the community or doesn't because we live in a complex world and um, it doesn't actually matter what we each think. What matters is if we give each other room to express and live in our fullest expression, in a way that serves the greater whole, and I think that actually includes those who choose and don't, those who choose to use their choice and don't. Though, like it's all of the things. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the human experiences. It's we need to give each other more room to speak our truths, but also to have those truths be protected and safe.
0: I think it's it's such an irony that, in some ways, when we think about thinking black and white like that, there's. Supposedly, like a comfort in that control of it has to be yeah. one or another, but the fact that it never really is means that you're forcing all of these things into a box that they don't belong in, and I think exactly. that creates more discomfort than just living in the fucking middle. And I agree. don't realize that mm-hmm. when you, but it is the way you live in the middle. If you live in the middle, yeah. not being like, oh, this is so confusing because it's not in a box. If you live in the middle, being like, this just is. This just is exactly what it is and I'm cool with that instead of trying to shove it all on one one side. I think that's actually easier than people give it credit for.
1: I agree. And I think the black and white, like the black and white, keeping society in versions of black and white allows uh, those in power to uh, be in control more easily. And I think we're like literally uh, watching how uh, complexity and giving people room to live their truths makes things more dynamic to a place that's hard to uh, govern. And I mean that mm-hmm. not just from a political standpoint, but also from a cultural space and, and really allowing people the protections, um, be it uh, you are safe here, you can live this way mm-hmm. um, from a neighborly kind of s- standpoint, that means you have to be living from a state of fluidity. Um, not rigidity. Mm-hmm. And rigidity is actually harder, but it's the social norm, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Does. We talk about that in parenting
0: where basically we've been conditioned to prize authority and you know results and behavior um, over control yeah and yeah. control over things like flexibility and compassion yeah. and empathy and all these things when those are really the things that that make things successful and when oh you said that it makes it you... impossible to govern without those black and whites like thinking about th- that from parenting makes sense that's why parents jump to these this is right this is wrong this is a punishable offense this yeah. is not because it's really murky stuff it's a big ask to say let's all get comfortable with some cognitive dissonance, like all the complexities. Let's just be cool with that. Like that's, that's huge. That
1: takes a lot of, it takes a lot more
0: work than living in the black and white. Um, Well, it
1: makes me really think about like the age of Aquarius. Like, do we really have it, have what it takes, um, as a society, global society, um, Because like, I think part of the hard is that we uh, live in a black and white world forcibly. And and I oftentimes wonder like, what if, because I knew I didn't want to have children when I was like 10 years old. I remember my mom had a hysterectomy and I was like, oh, no period, no babies. Like, yes, please sign me up. And my mom being like, whoa, girl, (laughs) whoa. But I knew, I truly, I remember trying to have a very intellectual conversation with her about like. Not understanding the complexity of the surgery, but being like that, I resonate with the choice that you made in a way that is different. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think like she wasn't really in the uh, position intellectually to be able to understand how to talk to me in that space. But if I was a ten-year-old girl right now, and that's how I felt, or you think about like the parents that are very, very supportive of gender-fluid children, mm-hmm. um, when you allow kids the opportunity to feel the way that they actually do, it makes me wonder, like, if we tapped into our intuition young instead of having it suppressed, the minute we start expressing, what would we, what world would we fucking be living in? Exactly. I think it would be kinder. I think it would be looser and easier. It would be way more collaborative. But right now, that's so theoretical because so much would have to change. yeah but but that doesn't mean we don't we don't do it. I think you know, like for as a non parenting um, society member, to me, what i can do is live an irreverent life and 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 not apologetically and publicly well and and
0: live a mindful life like we are doing it you're doing it gretchen by by living so consciously and helping other people to live consciously and as we said before it's all connected that when someone who talks to you thinks about their business in that kind of way how are they not going to eventually hopefully about their parenting that way
1: exactly and, and that exactly. And it all
0: trickles down like i clean out my purse and then i want to clean out my car and then i want to clean my house mm-hmm. like it's it's a small scale seed after seed step after step kind of process that all the work is important and we that's what we believe anyway
1: yeah 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 we're all on the same page with
0: that okay what is the one question that you feel like we can ask ourselves more often
1: My favorite question of the moment is what is this in service of? Um, and it's really, uh, almost like a mantra of a question that, um, I, I challenge in a positive challenge way, um, us all to think about more often, um, be it, you know, buying the wine versus the soda or, um taking the long trip home instead of the short trip or signing up for things like what is it in service of like are you aware of why you're making the decision
0: thank you for your time it means so much thank you so
1: much awesome well um i'm so i support everything you're doing i'm really excited about the narrative that you're bringing out and um, i just look forward to us growing our friendship both in person and long distance good thank you That was fun. That's fun.
0: Um, How to find Gretchen. You can go to GretchenJones.co to read about her philosophy and approach, uh, learn about her upcoming speaking and workshop engagements, and to get details on her Critical Conversations podcast and in-person or virtual consultation sessions. Yeah, her podcast just launched. It's awesome. You can also find her on Instagram at Gretchen Jones, where you can delight in her sustainable fashion adventures (laughs) and stay up to date on the events and talented guests she'll be sharing critical conversations with on the podcast. We will be one of them, which we're really excited about. That will be quite the shit show to enjoy. <laughs> um, I know. When when she asked us, we were like, "Are we gonna? Is that weird if we really just put it all out there?" And I was like, "Oh no, we are getting the full experience. Mm-hmm. We and we, we need did. The, we need the full Gretchen. Yeah, we did. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Gretchen and our after show. Mm-hmm. So please call, DM, email, contact us through our website at upbringing.co. And lastly, our affirmation to you. You're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.